the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, old enough to be unmasked at work and young enough to remember when gas was just $4 a gallon. It's great to be your guest host today. I'm so happy to be with you once again, live in Southern California from 3 to 5 each and every weekday, right here on KKLA and KPRZ in San Diego bringing to the table lots of conversation for encouragement and some conversation about the issues of the day from a Christian perspective. I have been in uh, Seattle, actually, for the past week. Uh, Different world up there, I'll tell you that. And uh, so I'm glad to be back here in Southern California. And uh, interestingly enough, uh, there's more rain in Southern California right now than there was in Seattle when I was up there. Um, there's never rain in Seattle when I was up there. I was up there. I was actually up there for a, a family funeral. Uh, my mother-in-law passed away, and so we've been dealing with that for quite a while. Uh, and one of the things that was sort of um, neat about it is every time I go up there, it never rains. It's always sunny, and I accuse those people of just not liking Californians, so they make up the stuff about the rain so we won't move up there because it's beautiful um, when you're not looking at what's happening in the streets or on the walls with all the graffiti and everything. Beautiful place up there. I may talk about that later today or later this week. But there are a lot of other big topics today going on in the world, and I think we should talk about those things. And part of what we like to do in our program is give you a Christian perspective because we can go a little bit deeper. We can ask the spiritual questions about what's going on. And I like to help as much as I can all of us get informed so that when we're talking to people in our everyday life who maybe we are sharing the gospel with, or maybe we might have that opportunity at some point. It helps if we are able to have also day-to-day conversation and to be truthful about those things. And I think if there is a theme maybe that will develop today as we talk about here in a minute, the uh, situation in Russia and Ukraine, and uh, later on uh, stuff going on in Canada, we need to not be afraid. And we need to really see what that looks like. Let me ask you this question. You can give me a call and join our conversation at any time today. The number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Give me a call if you want to join our conversation. I imagine there's a lot on your mind. And uh, I've had my coffee this afternoon, if you can tell, and uh, I'm ready, ready for the conversation uh, today. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about... Uh, um, what's happening in um, in Russia and Ukraine this hour. Next hour, we're going to talk about Canada. I know there's some important local stories. Uh, Los Angeles District, District Attorney Gascon, he's in a lot of trouble, probably. And uh, I think so. We'll look at that story maybe a bit today. It's I think it's huge. It deserves a little bit more time uh, and a lot of consideration because of issues of justice that are right here in our own town, our own uh, cities that we live in here in California. We have a a recall election that happened in San Francisco that I think is a preview of what's coming in Los Angeles and maybe even San Diego pretty soon and maybe even in the smaller towns where we are. So we'll get to those things. I know that they're on your mind. But the big story of the day, of course, is Putin finally has marched into Ukraine. 
and the president spoke on it just a couple of hours ago, President Biden. And I want to go through some of uh, Biden's remarks and talk about it and maybe get your thoughts about what's going on. I've been telling you for a while that I think this is a big deal. I think that when we get around to our election next fall, foreign policy will be probably be the big issue, not COVID. Um, COVID might even go away. In England today, they just decided they're done. Uh, so there you go. Um, but the biggest news, of course, is what's going on here. And as we, as we talk about this, I want you to think about why we are called not to be afraid. One time, I, uh, whenever 9-11 happened, in 2001, I was a pastor of a young adult group, um, and all young people, post-college, great ministry to be a part of. And when 9-11 happened, there were a lot of questions. There was a lot of philosophical problems that people had because some of those kids have been taught there's no such thing as evil in the world, and then they just saw it on TV happen, and they had to reconcile that. And also, it was scary. We were attacked. They had grown up in a period of time of uh, historical peace, uh, most of us. Uh, if you've been around you know, for the last, I don't know, 45 years, this really has been a peaceful time. Um, with obvious some exceptions, but for the United States overall in history. And one of the things that I wanted to convey is that nations invading other nations, superpowers uh, going head-to-head, even nuclear powers going head-to-head, is not new. And yes, there are things to be concerned about, deeply concerned about. Yes, we need to be praying for President Biden. We need to be praying for all the leaders in Europe. We need to pray that President uh, if that's his title, uh, Putin. What is he? Is he the general secretary? Are they back to the Soviet Union now? That's what they used to call him. We'll just call him General Secretary Putin, something like that. Um, we need to pray for that guy, um, that he would change his mind about what it appears he wants to do. Anyway, I was, I was talking about 9-11 and trying to make the point that we've been here before, and I showed an old video from the 1950s. It was a cartoon And the cartoon, some of you will remember this. I actually went through this drill up into the third grade. I grew up in Palmdale and Edwards Air Force Base, not too far away. And up until the third grade, we had nuclear drills. Do you remember this? And you had to get under your desk. And they would say, when you see the flash, you know, like if if you're close enough to see the flash, it probably doesn't matter what you do. Um, But that was what it was. And there used to be a cartoon in the 50s with this turtle that would like hide in a shell. (laughs) And, And it had a song. And it was called Duck and Cover. And the song went, Duck and Cover. When you see the flash, what do you do? Duck and Cover. Well, in this video, though, from the 50s, it's black and white. And it has teachers jumping over her students and, like, covering them in the corner of the classroom. Teachers, you know, flying in front of their kids. And there's a flash and there's fire. And uh, I, what I thought, what I thought I was communicating is, hey, you know, the world's had scary moments before, and we can trust the Lord, and we can be through it. Instead, I just scared and upset so many teachers that were in that group, young teachers who were just feeling like, oh, my gosh, you mean I might have to jump in front of my kids and save them from, uh, you know, a plane crashing into the school or something? So I want to make clear here that I do not take this stuff lightly. And in fact, I think what's going on in Europe is tremendously serious. It will affect us. Trotsky, Leon Trotsky, once said, um, you may not care about war, but war cares about you. I promise you 
this is already affecting your life. Probably at the pump, it's going to affect in some other ways. There are lots of ways that the world is tied together. And so when a nation like Russia makes a move into a nation like Ukraine, maybe that seems like it's really far away and it shouldn't matter, but it's going to impact us uh, significantly. And uh, we'll feel it. But I'm telling you all this because I want you to know this. Uh, Don't be afraid. The world has gone through tremendous difficult times before, and maybe this won't pan out into something terrible. Um, we, this is why we need to pray for our leaders. Maybe there are ways to deal with this that are not going to escalate it. But even if it gets hard, even if it gets difficult, Jesus is still on the throne. And even if this is something that is going to be frightening for a while, you know what? We're called to make disciples. We're ambassadors of Christ, and we have the truth. We have, uh, we have the answer for all of this. You know, why is it that these countries sometimes go to war? Well, it's not, be, you know, it's, it's not because they have some deep-rooted faith. It's because they want something. They want power. They want money. Putin has his agenda for doing it because he wants to restore Russia, apparently, to uh, the old days. Um, and um, so there you go. So I want to get into it. We'll get into Biden's speech because he, President Biden's speech, because he just gave that a few moments ago, and I'll share some clips for you. You can call at any time if you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. I would especially like to hear from you if you're from uh, Ukraine or maybe you're from uh, Belarus, you're from that area, and uh, you've immigrated here or you are visiting. Uh, maybe your family is from that region. Maybe you have stories from the old days of Soviet domination, if you're old enough for that. I think we need to hear those stories. I think that now is the time to get those into our memory, not just you know into our, our conversation, not just uh, because we need to hear them because of what's current, but also that those things happened in the past and we can look forward to how to deal with these things better in the future. All right, are you with me there? So let us not be afraid. Let us instead trust the Lord with all the things that the Lord is doing. Trust the Lord that this is whatever's happening in the world right now, all the crazy stuff that we're seeing, it's not outside of his plan. God is not looking down going, what is going on down there? I had no idea Putin was going to do that. In fact, I didn't think he was going to do it. I thought Biden was nuts, and but nope, uh, he's doing it. So that's what it is. So a couple hours ago, Biden gave uh, a speech responding to um, the invasion. Let's go with clip number one, Wilbert. And he bizarrely asserted that these regions are no longer part of Ukraine and their sovereign territory. To put it simply, Russia just announced that it is carving out a big chunk of Ukraine. Last night, Putin authorized Russian forces to deploy into the region, these regions. Today, he asserted that these regions are actually extend deeper than the two areas he recognized, claiming large areas currently under the jurisdiction of the Ukraine government. He's setting up a rationale to take more territory by force, in my view. And if we listened to his speech last night, and many of you did, I know, he's, uh, he's setting up a rationale to go much further. This is the beginning of a Russian invasion of Ukraine, as he indicated and asked permission to be able to do from his Duma. So let's begin to, uh, so I, I'm going to begin to impose sanctions in response far beyond the steps we and our allies and partners implemented in 2014. And if Russia goes further with this invasion, we stand prepared to go further as with sanctions. Who in the Lord's name does Putin think gives him the right to declare new so-called countries on territory that belong to his neighbors? 
This is a flagrant violation of international law and it demands a firm response from the international community. So that was President Biden responding a couple hours ago to President uh, General Secretary, we'll call him Putin's invasion into uh, Ukraine. And he says, who in, I think, I'm not sure if I'm following exactly what he's trying to say there, but who in God's name gave him the um, authority to do that, I guess, is what he's asking. You know what's interesting about that is that, uh, you know who is the head right now of the United Nations Security Council? You know which country is the president of that right now? I'll give you one guess. Russia. How about that? You couldn't write that story, uh, could you? So all this will go to the U.N. Security Council. They'll pass some resolution. He will uh, reject it. He'll have that power to do that, I suppose. Um, they change every month, so it's somebody else next month. Um, but in Putin's mind, what he's doing is he believes he has this authority. And it's an interesting thing because in some ways he is, if you read his speech or you hear it, he's re- rewriting the history of that nation. Go to clip two. Yesterday, the world heard clearly the full extent of Vladimir Putin's twisted rewrite of history, going back more than a century as he waxed eloquently, noting that, well, I'm not going to go into it, but nothing in Putin's lengthy remarks indicate any interest in pursuing real dialogue on European security in the year 2022. If you get into the speech, and President Biden, I think, was about to go down the road, and he didn't. And if you watch the video of those remarks, it's kind of funny because uh, where he says, oh, well, you know what, I'm not going to get into it. It's kind of a Biden thing, you know. Come on, man. Uh, he, goes, he goes down these rabbit trails. His eyes start shifting in the video, and I think what it is is it's his advisors who are over on the sides, you know, putting their fingers probably across their neck going, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. He really wants to go there. And there's some relevance, I think, to going there. It probably wasn't the speech for it. Um, But he wants to go there because it's important that we understand that what Putin is putting together in his speech is something that is completely a false historical narrative. He declared that Ukraine was an invention of the Bolshevik revolutionary leader, Vladimir Lenin, and uh, who, he said, had mistakenly endowed Ukraine with a sense of statehood by allowing it autonomy within the newly created Soviet state. So if you're not really a uh, study of, studier of history, this is around 1917-18, and the uh, Soviet Union is being formed. There is the Bolshevik Revolution, which led to the Soviet Union. Um, and he is making this claim that it was, he claimed that modern Ukraine was entirely and fully created by Russia, and specifically Bolshevik communist Russia, and that this process began immediately at the 1917 revolution. And uh, he blames kind of Lenin for, for messing it up, and he wants to make it, make it right. The New York Times, of all places, responded to this this way. They said uh, in the article today, as a misreading of history, it was extreme even by the standards of Mr. Putin, a former KGB officer who has declared the Soviet Union's collapse the greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century. Uh, Ukraine and Russia, they continue, share roots stretching back to the first Slavic state, uh, a medieval empire founded by Vikings in the 9th century. The United States Embassy today tweeted out pictures of churches and cathedrals that are a 1,000 years old in Ukraine. And so they, they 
showed these cathedrals from, I think, 1099, 1112, 1160, and those things are still standing. And then they showed a picture of a swamp, Moscow, from 1110, 1109, the same years. Nothing's in Moscow. And just to make the point that the things that Putin is saying is just made up. Um, This is something that um, really does harken back to a time where the Soviet Union, and I I thought about this. In the old days of the Soviet Union, the students were taught alternate histories of all kinds of things. They were taught different roles the Russians played in different things in history, and they weren't really taught well. you know, the historical events. There are lots of jokes about, you know, Shakespeare being written um, is much better in the original Russian, better in the original Russian and uh, things like that. And that maybe Putin believes some of the stuff he's saying. I don't know. Maybe that was part of his, um, his upbringing. Uh, I doubt that he fully believes that. I think he has some other, other claims. Um, but the history of Russia and Ukraine, they are intertwined. They, they have shared uh, Orthodox Christian religion, Russian Orthodox, uh, different kinds of Orthodox faiths that maybe you've been, uh, you know, they're not really denominations, but different branches of the church uh, in different times. So there's certain things that he says that are true, but it's intertwined with things that are simply not true. So what's happened is Putin has put together a rewrite of history. This is what people who are tyrants do. They will state something that's historical and They'll claim it's historical, but it's actually false. It pushes another agenda. This is why education and history matters. This is why in our schools we need to be teaching what goes on. It's okay to ask questions, and it's okay to wonder, are there things that we're teaching that are just sort of uh, you know, an American perspective but doesn't have the perspective of the rest of the world, or maybe we leave things out? It's okay to ask those questions, but the good thing is that we have a country where we can do that. And But at the end of the day, we want to make sure that what we're talking about is true. I'm Scott Furrow. I'm your host for today on Southern California Live. We're talking about the Russian invasion and talking about Biden's speech. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. 888-LA-TALKS is that phone number, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at any time at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. SoCalLive at KKLA.com. What Putin is arguing is that the Ukraine is historically really owned by Russia and that Russia has a right to it. That is the argument that he's, he's making um, because one, at one point they did control Ukraine and now they don't. And it's pretty remarkable. It's a remarkable thing to say. Uh, let's go to clip number three from Biden's speech today. As we respond... My administration is using every tool at our disposal to protect American businesses and consumers from rising prices at the pump. As I said last week, defending freedom will have cost for us as well and here at home. We need to be honest about that. But as we will do, but as we do this, I'm going to take robust action to make sure the pain of our sanctions is targeted at a Russian economy, not ours. We're closely monitoring energy supplies for any disruption. We're executing a plan in coordination with major oil producing consumers and producers toward a collective investment to secure stability in global energy supplies. This will be this will blunt gas prices. I want to limit the pain the American people are feeling at the gas pump. This is critical to me. 
So the president has instituted sanctions, uh, financial penalties on Russia. A question that people are asking is, is this going to make any difference? And one of the things that I think we should be aware of is these sanctions so far, so far, are significant, but they are less than our current sanctions on Iran. So they're significant, but they're, they're not a lot. You know, they're a lot. I don't mean they're not going to hurt Russia, but they're going to have an impact on us also. And at some point, there's going to be, we're going to feel it. We're already feeling it probably at the pump. Maybe that's happening uh, for some other uh, geopolitical reasons. Um, but we will likely feel it. Did you know, I didn't know this, that the United States in 2021, just last year, imported between 12 million and 26 million barrels of crude oil from Russia every month, every month. Uh, In November 2021, the most recent figures on record, uh, the United States imported 17.8 million barrels of oil just one month from Russia. Uh, that's pretty significant. And see, that's where it's going to hurt us at the pump because if we're going to increase sanctions, then at some point that gets put on the table, doesn't it? We're not going to pay for energy. A piece of good news is that Germany is uh, canceling the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. They're not going to open up that. However, what's also true is there are many pipelines going into uh, Russia and the surrounding nations that could potentially be involved here. So there are energy questions for all of Europe and for the United States that matter. This is a big deal, my friends, what is going on. How do you feel about it? What are your thoughts? Do you have any input on it? Give me a call, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. And uh, you can, uh, especially if you are from Ukraine or you're from that area, maybe that's your background. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Maybe you're from uh, Romania. This will begin to affect Romania, Belarus, some of these nations that are in the former Eastern uh, Bloc nations of the Soviet Union. Um, there are some stories that you have. We'd love to hear them uh, if you want to give me a call, 888-528-2557. You're listening to Southern California Live. This is the Tuesday edition. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned. Today, in response to Russians' admission that it will not withdraw its forces from Belarus. I have authorized additional movements of U.S. forces and equipment already stationed in Europe to strengthen our Baltic allies, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania. Let me be clear. These are totally defensive moves on our part. We have no intention of fighting Russia. We want to send an unmistakable message, though, that the United States, together with our allies, will defend every inch of NATO territory and abide by the commitments we made to NATO. We still believe that Russia is poised to go much further in launching a massive military attack against Ukraine. Hope I'm wrong about that. Hope we're wrong about that. But Russia has only escalated its threat against the rest of Ukrainian territory, including major cities and including the capital city of Kyiv. There are are still well over 150,000 Russian troops surrounding Ukraine. And as I said, Russian forces remain positioned in Belarus to attack Ukraine from the north, including warplanes and offensive missile systems. Russia has moved troops closer to Ukraine's border with Russia. Russia's naval vessels are maneuvering in the Black Sea to Ukraine's south, including amphibious assault ships, missile cruisers, and submarines. 
Russia's moved supplies of blood and medical equipment into position on their border. You don't need blood unless you plan on starting a war. That was President Biden just a couple hours ago giving a speech in response to uh, Vladimir Putin's invasion into Ukraine. And uh, he is painting a pretty dire picture of what it looks like is going to happen, that militarily speaking, it looks like Putin is going to take not just a couple of regions that he's claiming as his own, but probably the whole country. It's threatening neighboring nations. Sweden and Finland, who are not parts of NATO, um, have discussed openly today maybe they ought to join. Um, And I think maybe one of the most troubling things that Biden talked about there was that we believe, probably rightly so, that uh, there are medical uh, field units that the Russians have prepared that include uh, blood for blood transfusions and things like that, that uh, you wouldn't be doing that if you didn't think you would need it. That was one of the uh, best analyses that I saw. There were different experts, so-called experts, claiming uh, that the Russians weren't going to invade. Some said, and some said they are not going to invade. Um, One of them said the reason they're going to invade is simply because they've spent all this money putting everything down there. They can't really afford to go down there and do all this uh, just to make a political statement. They're going to do something. And I think he's right. I read a story about a Ukrainian mom who, uh, and this is uh, just hard to hear, but I'm going to tell you because it's war, that they send their kids to school right now with a sticker on them that has their blood type your little kids, just in case um, they need a transfusion because of whatever kind of violence might be happening. So we need to be praying that that is not something that is truthfully realized in uh, by uh, those moms and dads uh, and those kids. So we're talking about Russia and uh, all of the issues related to that, how it's going to affect us. And in that uh, clip from the clip from the president, you also hear how it's affecting our armed forces, and maybe that affects you as well. My nephew, we're very proud of, is a Marine. He's at Camp Pendleton, and he's set to retire here in a couple of months. But he's concerned that all of this is going to uh, change those plans, that they're not going to let him retire. Um, he's spent three tours of dirty of duty in uh, Iraq, um, and they're all pretty serious. Um, we're very, very proud of him. 888-LA-TALKS is the number, 888 Let's go to Aaron in Los Angeles. Aaron, welcome to Southern California Live. Oh hi! Thanks so much for having me on. Hi. Uh, I was. Um, You're you welcome, know, I was Aaron. Just listening to, to everything uh, regarding Ukraine. It's a very meaningful subject for me because I've I've spent a lot of the last years working in um, uh, in Ukraine and in Poland and Romania and Bulgaria. Uh, the part of the work that I do, and I think like for me, the hardest yeah. thing that I that I hear when uh, when we talk about these things uh, is there's a there's this you know funny ignorance, really, to, to what is Eastern Europe. I mean, most people, when you say Europe, are only thinking of this Western half, which is really two-thirds the size of Eastern Europe. And there's this, almost it's like right. this, um, this kind of bed we left unmade, really, from the Cold War. And I think the, the really the hardest point to make for any of these countries, uh, as it relates to American interests and the long-term view of how they've evolved in relationship to Europe, is, uh, is this right of self-determination, which uh, literally has been their biggest issue for the last hundred years. They've all been under servitudes of, of the Russians, of the Nazis, of the Soviet Union, of NATO, of EU, of American NGOs, and so forth. So 
there is this uh, this incredibly unspoken conversation about the challenges that they deal with daily uh, when it relates to their their ideas of, of nationhood and being nationalistic, which is like a bad word to use. And um, and so uh, for me, the biggest thing that's missing from this conversation always is to talk about the amount of Russian people that live in this section of the Ukraine. There's about 4 million, 5 million people that are like Russian passport carrying, Russian speaking, what are called ethnic Russians. And, uh, and their voice right. is like completely bottled as uh, separatists like that are causing trouble. And, and that's, of course, not the case. I mean, they, when you look at the voting across Ukraine for uh, 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 Timoshenko and, uh, oh, and Yanukovych, um, they're, you know, all the west, the eastern half of, of Russia, of Ukraine, of course, was, was for the pro-Russian uh, former leader Yanukovych. And, um, and I guess, you know, this, this is all, again, a part of the optics that you're talking about when looking for the truth of these matters, mm-hmm. uh, for, which for me, for me, as a as, you know, as somebody who's spending a lot of time there, very compassionate about the region, and works with the people on the ground yeah. there, it's a it's a, it's a it's a it's a tough one. Sorry, thanks for letting me go on like that. Yeah, I, I appreciate you calling. What do you do, Aaron, uh, for a living? That brings you over there. I'm a I'm a curator of contemporary art, and uh, a lot of my research right now is looking oh, wow. at uh, the, the NGO movement and the impact that the NGO movement has had on the visual cultures of Eastern Europe in the 90s. So we're talking about right at this time when the, you know, the bed is getting made or unmade. And, uh, and so a lot of my work is like, uh, I've been doing this very forensic research to show how contemporary art was used as a political weapon even for uh, uh, how, you know, uh, in the expansion of uh, what we call kind of neoliberalism and Western imperialism or whatever, Contemporary art was used as a kind of a frontline move to limit test society right. in the former closed societies that they were as a, uh, to help, in effect, uh, serve the purposes of the NGO and better understand how to better infrastructure and mm. all that stuff. So it's a, it's, it's yeah, a well, lot of stuff. Uh, I think you're, you're, you're right that this is a part of the world that uh, we don't hear a lot about and that we don't really understand. I understand that Ukraine is actually the largest European nation. Is that correct? In landmass? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if you look at it, it's probably the whole of uh, the north. Uh, it's like from Maine to, to to Michigan or something. It's a, it's mega. Yeah, it's really big. What would you say? And I'll let you go in and get to the next call. But uh, right now, what you've been there? What's your largest concern when you watch this and you hear about it? What's the biggest thing that concerns you? I'll be honest with you. It, it, it's uh, a lot to do with the, this, 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 what you talked about, this creation of truth around it. I mean, we were promised a Russian pretext to start this war. And, and that, mm-hmm. to me, got into a real realm of like, openly talking about false flags and how Jones-like you know, uh, material right. to you know, have us understand that this is uh, a priority or a reality or a truth. I mean... You know, both sides are guilty of active measures, tactical media, all these kinds of games that are played to help trigger the optics of uh, consensus. And, um, and and that, to me, is, I think, the hardest thing when you sort of see, uh, first of all, not, never a clear identification of what the U.S. interests are in this region, uh, because it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not just to stick up for NATO. It's not just to stick up for the Ukraine. There's a lot more to it. No one talks about the Black Sea. Right, there's more. The trade routes. The Black Sea is an enormous trade route that we're taught that not getting talked about at all. 
Another thing that's scary is that we work in Poland, and no one talks about the the, the, the migration crisis that this is going to trigger. Like the that's right. Poland, they received they received in 2015 one to one and a half million uh, Ukrainian refugees, and they are all very much assimilated and a part of the community, and it's a very much a harmonious uh, thing that they took on as a nation that opened their borders. But they're like, we don't want war because we can't handle bringing in 5 million people, which is what will happen. And they're not going to mm-hmm. go anywhere else in Europe. They're going to go to Poland because these are the exact, right. kind of, it's a similar culture, similar language. And so the Polish people who are getting t- such a terrible reputation for their border control, they have to almost. You know, it's like these are all stories yeah. that aren't talked about, though. Yep, you're right. Aaron, uh, there's a a lot more we could probably say in that. I really appreciate your call, and that's something that, uh, thank you for calling Southern California Live. I think that's one of the pieces here. There's many things that that he brought up here. You know, I I heard somebody commentating today on this who said, you know, most wars are kind of started by accident, where there's some other agendas, some politics, some power, a lot of things to do economically, and they spin out of control into something else. Uh, and it becomes very bloody and dangerous, and hopefully that's not where we're headed. That's why we need to pray for our president and people who are leading that they make the right choices right now. Jack from San Diego, welcome to Southern California Live. Well, I think you should be very concerned because I don't think Biden is an honest broker. He created a crisis on our southern border. That's what we should be concerned about. But he talks about diplomacy, and I'll ask you, what is he offered what is the offer to Russia? Well, I think that, uh, you know, I th- thank you for your call, Jack. Uh, we got to go to a break here in just a minute. But diplomacy is coming off the table. We were going to have a meeting. They scheduled a tentative uh, Putin-Biden summit, but that now is off the table, I read uh, not too long ago. And I think that uh, most of the world leaders have thought that there's not really a diplomatic option here, that Putin's not going to listen, that he's made up his mind. This happened on the the eight-year anniversary of the um, uprising that got the uh, Russians out of uh, Ukraine and Crimea just a few, uh, ten years ago. And uh, there's a lot of calculation to that. Whether or not there are other things going on with the the president, you know, obviously uh, Ukraine has been in our news for controversies with President Biden, even President Trump, and it is... Uh, you know, certainly a question that is going to have to be asked and answered. What are the potential um, conflicts of interest that maybe our leaders have? Uh, Aaron, our previous caller, talked about the trade routes in the Black Sea, and uh, there are so many other questions here economically. Uh, the reason that Putin wants it, frankly, is probably those trade routes and economic. Russia is basically a dying country that cannot afford uh, to stay around. They're not having babies. A lot of their land, they have huge land mass, but they can't do anything with it. Uh, it's a tough, it's a tough position as a, as a country. And what he's choosing to do is, uh, what tyrants have done for a long time. They just take what is not theirs. 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number. 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation with me, Scott Furrow here on Southern California Live, 888-528-2557. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. 
888-LA-TALKS is the phone number, 888-528-2557. If you want to give me a call this hour, we're talking about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. I always want to say Soviet just is right there on the tip of my tongue, the Soviet, because it's kind of the same. And, you know, things change. Uh, one of our callers in the last hour, uh, Aaron, who had a lot of experience over there, he talked about the right of self-determination that we gave these Eastern European countries. And, you know, some people, historians, have speculated that maybe we should have done more to help them uh, determine to be in NATO and to ally with us at the fall of the Soviet Union. And, you know, after, the, after World War II, we had the Marshall Plan, where we spent a lot of money and time rebuilding uh, mostly Western Europe and strengthening it against uh, what was becoming the new enemy uh, for us, the Soviet Union. And the Soviets uh, spent their time uh, taking over, you know, not necessarily as far as, uh, you know, actual annexation, but exerting control over Eastern Bloc nations. Um, most of these that we've been hearing about, including Ukraine. And when the Cold War ended, if you were around for that, um, there was a lot of celebration, a lot of freedom, a lot of good things happened, I think, as far as people beginning to see how much freedom they can have with uh, without being under the thumb of the Soviet government. There is a good argument, though, that says we should have done more um, to help people particularly in Eastern Europe, um, it's hard to do it because we can't really force, right? We're doing the same thing in a way if we force people. But I would argue, you know, to, to pick our side to join NATO and do those kinds of things. But I would argue that there is something about kindness. There is something about the fact that um, we have helped rebuild our enemies over time. It's something that I think has helped the United States build credibility in the world is that we have helped our enemies, even people that we've gone to war with, that we are great allies with Japan today who attacked us, and that we are allies with Germany, and that we are able to build those relationships, and we've done that. But there, you know, we can't do everything. Um, but there's also an argument that says we haven't done as much of that in the world. The current one is, you know, we get criticized a lot for uh, hoarding vaccines, for example, especially if Americans aren't going to take them, that we're not giving them out. And what that says to the world is, you know, uh, we are less likely to help other countries in this way. There's a lot of different controversies that have to do with trade and economics, and that's kind of how the world has always worked. Our country has an opportunity uh, to reach out now to a lot of these nations and uh, to be there. We convinced in 1994 in an agreement, we convinced Ukraine to get rid of its nuclear weapons in exchange for our support and our security. And that agreement doesn't look like it's worth all that much right now. The president of Ukraine has been uh, complaining about that in a way. Um, so I don't know. Uh, this is a very difficult time. We This is why we pray for our, our presidents. Um, I'm hoping that we are uh, doing a good job. It seems to me that the Biden administration is doing a better job right now than they were with the whole Afghanistan thing, which was a complete fiasco. My biggest concern is that we're still very reactionary, and that's kind of how things escalate. 
Uh, we didn't impose sanctions because the troops were there. We waited for the essentially declaration of war. Now we impose sanctions. Well, it's only part of the sanctions. There's more that we can do. And then when he enters into new parts of Ukraine, I imagine we'll have greater sanctions. And then he's going to keep going into Ukraine because his only other option is to turn around and go home. And that's probably not going to be uh, something Putin's going to do. <clears throat> and where's this going to go? What are the different things? So I want to encourage you to pray. It does affect us here at home. It's going to affect us economically. Gas prices is the big one. And I want to remind you that you know, many of us, when we see $5 a gallon gas, and it could be 6 $7 a gallon gas, many of us, our thoughts are, well, I can't go out to eat as often, or I can't go to Starbucks, or I can't, uh, maybe I should get an electric car. Um, some people speculate that that's the reason, the real reason it's going up is we want to do that. Um, but I also want to remind all of us, especially believers, that many among us, the gas prices are economically destructive. Uh, I mention this most of the time when we're talking about gas taxes, because gas taxes, energy taxes, I understand, you know, taxation and that, you know, um, maybe that kind of tax is good. If you're going to buy gas, then you should help pay for the roads if that's what it actually goes for, that kind of argument. But if you're really poor, the difference between $4 gas and $5 gas is enormous. It can be the difference between keeping your job and needing to find another job close to home that maybe doesn't even pay as much. It can mean you can't afford to get to your workplace. It can mean that you have to take uh, the bus or the train Metrolink instead, and many people would like you to do that, but it takes a lot longer most of the time. I can drive downtown from my house in 10 or 15 minutes. I can take the San Diego trolley, and it takes 45 minutes. Um, these things affect us. It affects our, our families, people who serve, because it's affecting their schedules. It's affecting where they're deployed, how they're going to be deployed. It's affecting their families. These things have an impact. I think that there, this could end up having significant effects on our life. Um, one group is reporting that there could be computer hacks and other things that will affect our, us day to day. So this is not something that uh, is likely to just go away. Uh, it could, I suppose, it could be that Putin's done what he's going to do and that's it. And there might be some road to uh, diplomacy that really does end it. But people are going to worry that it is just appeasement. Um, and the way of things historically is that often good nations just appease these things that um, you say, okay, that's enough. Hitler, you can take Czechoslovakia and you can take uh, these nations, but don't cross this line. And they cross that line and we just redraw another line. We don't want to do that. Mostly, though, if I can just end this hour with this thought here, if this subject or you're watching the news on this just gets you afraid. Maybe Psalm 27 can help you a little bit. David wrote this. David, of course, is a king. I don't know how often you think about David as a politician, but he was. Uh, he was a politician, and much like today's politicians, he did some very good things, but he also did some very bad things, as you know. Um, and he had to deal with communications. He had to deal with war. He had to deal with trade. He had to deal with all of those things that you have to do if you find yourself king of some country at any time in human history. And the thing about David is that he always turned back to the Lord, even in his darkest times, he was able to turn back. Psalm 27, a Psalm of David, he said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? 
When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Maybe you're feeling like this is something that's far away, but it's you feel besieged by it. And you're watching the news and you feel these things. We've certainly felt besieged by coronavirus and all the restrictions and all of that. And the, the politics are going on related to that. Next hour, we're going to talk about what's going on in Canada and uh, how that should make us think about things in our own country. And he says, David says, through the war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Can I ask you this question? Are you confident? Are you confident in the Lord during these uncertain times? We live in crazy times. There are, you know, I'm a student of history, and I agree with the idea. Some people say that history repeats itself. Somebody else said history more likely rhymes. I agree with that. Tends to, we've seen the same thing kind of happen in different ways, but but we're seeing it something globally now that used to happen, and then what would happen is a bunch of people would get on a boat and go somewhere else and start a new country. What happens now? Where are you going to go? Uh, That might be one of the greatest differences in our time today, and maybe one of the greatest reasons why we should pay attention to what's going on, be involved in our own country, educate ourselves to what's true. Because another thing about war and all of these things, and our callers touched on it today, is that we often don't know what's true. There's often uh, political agendas that are personal, political agendas that are other, that we don't hear about, that we find out about later. Um, There is a lot of things going on. There's a lot of confusion. It's called the fog of war, right? There are things going on right now that might be reported today as true, but tomorrow they're reported, and that's not really true. Uh, That's normal. Uh, Sometimes we get different reporting because somebody wasn't telling the truth, but a lot of the time the reason reporting changes is because new things are revealed and better witnesses come forward. And when the smoke clears and you see what really happened, you really begin to understand it. Whatever the case may be, I hope that you are confident in the Lord. David continues, he says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Nothing in David's writing is about putting your head in the sand and ignoring the world and the troubles that are around you. All of what he's talking about is being confident in the Lord, confident in your faith. And that's how we should be today. We should do what the Lord tells us. We should be rejoicing in the fact that we have salvation in Jesus Christ that is not going to be taken away, that what's going on in the world is not something that is confusing to God, even if it's confusing to us, and that the promises of God are true, that history is barreling toward a conclusion that is predicted and it's right there in your scriptures I tell people all the time now, actually read the the book of Revelation. Don't just go listen to somebody talk about it. Go sit down and read it for yourself. You won't understand some of it, but a lot of it you will. The point is very, very clear. God is going to win. Justice will be done, and it'll all be handled by Jesus Christ. You're listening to Southern California Live. We'll be back in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about what's going on in Canada. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. I'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.